Welcome to the Relationships Inside Out podcast with Drs. Gregory Sieber and Kimberly Murray, licensed marriage and family therapists. Join them on this journey as they explore the ins and outs of relationships. Well, welcome to Relationships Inside Out, where today we're going to talk about repeating family patterns, typically dysfunctional family patterns. Ideally, the positives, you know. But not repeating those negative ones in our partnership, our parenting, mm-hmm. friendships within ourselves. And a lot of us aren't even aware of the patterns. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'll have couples that come in and one of the first things I like to do is assess family of origin. What did that look like? How is conflict mm-hmm. managed? How are beliefs managed? And surprisingly, um, I say surprising because a lot of people don't think about this, is how are emotions thought of? Like what, how are they managed in general? Were they discussed? Mm-hmm. Were you allowed to have emotions? And if you had them, what happened? What looks, what conflict looks like? Yeah. Were we volatile? Did we shut down? All the things. And people will come in with relationship problems and then they realize that they're engaging in the same patterns that their family did. Um, and that can look twofold. So an example would be on the other side, uh, like I have, I think of clients where they come in and say, gosh, my dad was really domineering more narcissistic. How am I with another narcissistic person? Because it's familiar. Yeah. Because it is something you grew up in. And even the the patterns we know aren't good for us, if they're familiar, we're attracted to them. Right. And if I'm already in kind of a subservient personality because of how I grew up, I'm going to naturally attract a partner who's going to fill that kind of void or space. Right. Yeah. Unconsciously. Unconsciously. Yeah. But that can be one way that shows up. Duly, if I my family did a lot of yelling, maybe I bring that into my partnership where I yell or I push and shove or whatever it might be. Yeah, whatever you've learned. And they, you know, they talk about uh, we repeat what we don't repair. Ooh, I like that quote. And a lot of it's not mine. Um they we look back at like the trauma that people experience in the relationship. Say we're talking about dysfunction here, and dysfunction mm-hmm. can cause trauma those patterns are very strong. Mm-hmm. And if we don't repair that or even, because a lot of us will think that's normal. We grew up like, that's just normal. That's how families do it. This is why we repeat it unconsciously. And at the same time, a therapist can come in and be like, that's trauma, you know, mm-hmm. emotional mm-hmm. abuse, whatever it might be. And if that's not repaired, we just continue it because we're not even aware of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a, that's a big one. And, you know, the same neurons uh, that fire together, wire together. Mm-hmm. This is the idea in our brains that when we do something, our neurons fire. And when we continually do it, these they pair together. Yep. And the more we do the neural it. Neural pathway. Yeah. And those pathways become more efficient and stronger. And so these dysfunctional patterns were what we continually have done for so long. So they're very strong. Mm-hmm. So they become more natural, even on a neurobiological level. I think I've used this analogy before, but a way of understanding what you just shared, think of a garden, right? If you water half your garden and don't water the other half, one half's going to die. That's your neurons that you're not giving attention mm-hmm. to, those healthier patterns, those whatever it might be, yeah. right? If I am giving all of my attention, my practice, my doing to those unhealthy patterns, those are the flowers I'm watering. Mm -hmm. They're going to get bigger. They're going to get stronger and more robust. It takes kind of changing our focus to the other way of doing things and neglecting that part or cutting off that part for those flowers to start to die. That's a good analogy. And another example that um, I've read or that we could use um, to show how they get stronger is think about practicing like a sport, Mm -hmm. right? The more that you do it, the better you get at it. 
And that's, that's like the practice of your neurons or those pathways getting stronger. That can show up in a billion ways in a relationship, whether it is placating, stonewalling, enabling um, the kind of people you attract into your world. Mm-hmm. All of those can get reinforced from how we grew up into adulthood by how much attention we give. And I think about even maladaptive patterns. So maybe it isn't something that you necessarily learn by observing. I think about dynamics where I got clients where they've become the peacekeeper. Yep. And that's how they've adapted to try to manage the discomfort that they feel with the dynamics of the family, the chaos. Yeah. Conflict avoidance. It's a thing. It's protective. So if I'm peacekeeper and avoidant, that might come to my relationship Mm -hmm. and you might not see it as a problem because you're like, well, I keep the peace. And that doesn't, I mean, I've seen in adult relationships, how that impacts people is they're not, they're not getting vulnerable mm-hmm. and they're not processing the more important, deeper topics that cause conflict because they're avoiding it. They want to keep the peace. Yeah. Um, so we never really get through or process through some of that. Can you say resentment? Oh, right. If I'm continually giving up my needs for the sake of keeping the house calm, resentment builds mm-hmm. and that is poison to any relationship. And so being able to identify that and shift it. What's hard here is we're talking about repeating my family patterns, right? Right. My partner's got their own set of family patterns and they've got to be willing to work on theirs too, because it's a cycle. It's a dynamic. I can change mine Mm -hmm. and the greater relationship dynamic may not change a whole lot until both partners are invested in that change. Yeah. Relationships are hard. (laughs) Um, continuous work. That's why when I talk with couples, I, I always say that you both bring in your own family cultures together mm-hmm. and how they interact. And that includes how you both learn to adapt or maladapt. Mm-hmm. And you're bringing that here unconsciously. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense. But how do we make that more efficient? How do we resolve this um, aspect? One example I want to give that I think is very fascinating too, that we don't think about is a child might learn to disrupt the chaos in their family by being sick. or hurt. And so what I see in the adult relationships is something's always wrong. Something is wrong. Um, If chaos gets in there, I'm sick, I'm hurt, or they- Burnt out, I'm tired. Mm -hmm. And they've learned, right? And they probably got responses from Mm -hmm. the parents at that. And that was reward for them because the conflict stops. That was rewarding. Oh, if I'm sick or something's wrong with me, my parents stop fighting. Mm -hmm. Um, That can come in here. And you see that in the adult relationships, just as I said. And then we model it for our kids, right? Kids are smart. And they watch that happen and then they start to do it. And that is how we get these transgenerational patterns that become enduring for years upon years upon years. Yeah. And I think through this conversation, if you're listening and you're finding yourself like, oh my God, what am I doing? Like, I can't believe I've been acting this way. Be kind to yourself. All of us are bringing baggage from our, our family of origins. It's okay. Mm -hmm. The first step is being aware, being aware that this is a problem in the relationship. When we know better, we do better. So we can't do better if we don't know better. Yes. Right. We can't hold ourselves accountable. Mm-hmm. Change of words. We can't hold ourselves to that standard if we didn't know that standard existed. Yes. Right. If I thought it was normal for couples to yell, push and shove, which I did at the beginning of my partnership. I didn't realize until my husband that that wasn't a normal pattern. I didn't know better. Yeah. And so for me to do better How am I supposed to be a pro soccer athlete if I never got any training? Yeah. Conflict resolution, emotion regulation, all of that is just the same. Or if you didn't know soccer existed. Yeah. If you don't have the tools to do those things, how are you supposed to do better? Right? 
So it's getting those tools. It is leaning into the process of mental health exploration or therapy or whatever it might be to gain those tools so that you can do better. And it can be simple things as learning that the way you're talking to your partner, because that's what, how your parents talk to each other is absolutely not okay. And it doesn't show respect. So just because respect wasn't modeled doesn't mean that that shouldn't be what's existing in your current relationship. That modeling is huge. Yeah. As therapists, as people who study human development, modeling is kind of the core where people learn not just about how to behave, but in terms of attachment, in terms of identifying emotions, experiencing emotions, all the things, right? So we as people model for our friends what we're willing to tolerate, what our relationships look like. We model for kids. We model across the board. If we want our kids, if you do have kids, want our kids to do something different, we have to model that. Yeah, They aren't going to magically know how to regulate their emotions. We have to set that tone and break some of those patterns, which is really hard. I'm here to tell you. Yeah. And and what you're saying is we have to break those patterns. Yeah. Because they will continue if we're not aware of them. Right. Mm-hmm. So we repeat mm-hmm. what we do not repair. Um, and so being aware is the first step. Um, and whether that's read through reading or watching your own family and observing now that you're more separated, if you've had the opportunity to move out of the house. Um, and then maybe even talking to a therapist to explore this. I love doing genograms. Mm-hmm. with families a genogram is really our mapping of families think family tree on steroids yes all the interactions um conflict and connections and divorce and all addiction things. substance use and see how that plays and it's very fascinating we talked about this i know in a previous episode is you'll see couples be like oh my god i married my mother or i married my father and you know how often that sentence comes out oh my god all gosh. the time and, and it's really a reflection of what we're mm-hmm. talking about here is these patterns continue to exist. And now it doesn't mean that all the, in those, all those cases, that's a bad thing. Um, it just means that we found a role that has worked with mm-hmm. how that one parent was responding. And so we found someone unconsciously that that matched with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's hard. It's hard to notice it. And right. Like I think I'm doing things different, better than my parents did. But I can guarantee you when my daughter is in my shoes, she's going to say, mom, I can't believe you did blank. Yeah, That's going to be true of any generation, right? Yes. Because right now I'm operating from a, a operating system of this is what we know right now is best. Yeah. And even that I screw up all the time. When she's our age, research will have gone far above what it is now. Our knowledge will have grown. And so she'll even have to update my software. Of, hey, mom, like you did this thing. And actually, that really wasn't good. Yeah. I don't plan on updating my software. <laughs> I, I plan on just being that rigid AF. Crotchety old man who who misses the old days. <laughs> <laughs> Back in my day. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and what you're talking about in terms of um, that generational stuff is that new things will come. And as the parents or grandparents, this is part of being... Uh, flexible in this sense as well. Um, and trying to understand what are they trying to do to change very, very hard because they're in our roots and you got to think it's easy to go here and blame our parents. Like, look, oh, they messed me up. Well, they also probably grew up in the same exact environment and then their parents, or even worse. their parents. Yes. Because if you go back two generations, we know that things like kids are seen and not heard was a common phrase or mm-hmm. that really intense corporal punishment was normal, even within schools. Right. Yeah. And so for them, they also grew up in a harsh environment. They did the best they could with doing things different. 
And that'll be true generation after generation. Yeah. What gets hard is when these two realities collide, right? So I've updated my software to hopefully do a little bit better. And I hope my daughter does better, by the way. Mm-hmm. But then telling my dad or my in-laws, hey, this is what our parenting style looks like. That can be really jarring for them. Yeah. Not because they want to be a pain in my ass, but because it doesn't align with their reality or that by them saying, okay, we'll do that somehow is them admitting that they did something wrong before. Oh, a lot of that guilt will serve as a barrier. Yeah. Right. Or like an example, when I was little, you always hugged your grandparents. You always gave them a kiss. You always said you love them and you never gave them an opinion or voice period. We don't do that in our house, right? My kids get bodily autonomy. So they get to choose if they give a hug. They get to choose if they Mm. um, have a kiss. They get to choose if they want to do something and they can tell grandma, no, thank you, politely. But Mm -hmm. they get to say no. That is very jarring from previous generations. And in fact, can be seen as disrespectful. And so being able to talk about across generations, talk about those changes in Boundaries practices is really important too. And this goes back to awareness. We have to be aware. And even if you don't feel like there's dysfunction, it is really fun to explore family dynamics, um, either with like a trained therapist who can go back, ask the right questions, mm-hmm. just to get a better understanding of why things were the way they were, talking to your parents if that's possible, and asking them about their childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the reason why is what you're kind of talking about. Um, I shouldn't say reason why a benefit of doing so is for what you're talking about is that you get autonomy in deciding what patterns you want. There might be people who think things you're going to keep. Like, for example, the example you gave about the grandparents, maybe somebody wants to continue that tradition and doesn't see that as. Sure. Right. Absolutely. Um, and that's fine. I mean, a therapist might have something to say about that, depending <laughs> on who they are. Like, I mean, I might not, because I'll be like, that's what you're deciding. Like, does it cause harm? Is it ability to function? Could it cause? Um, but we can't really make those decisions and make it how we want to and change it unless we're aware of everything, the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. And that starts with just exploring mm-hmm. and being okay with looking back and in an exciting, curious way of what happened. A um, non-judgmental way. That's, yeah. That's if I go in and say, like, my parents were the worst and they did all these terrible things, now I'm going to pendulum swing. I'm going to resist all the things they did. And in fact, that's not mm-hmm. going to be healthy probably either because now I'm going to go... Perhaps to, well, my parents were so strict that I'm not going to have any rules for my kids. And that's not good either. Yeah. So it's getting curious as non-judgmentally as we can to not pendulum swing, but to intentionally decide where we're going to land. And I forgot what I was going to say. This is wonderful. Um, We've all been there. Myself included. <laughs> yeah. It's gone. It's out of the park. <laughs> <laughs> as I tell my kids, the train left the station without me. <laughs> Every time. Oh, it was like right there. I'm like, oh, this is going to go well. And apparently not. (laughs) In my family, if you forget it, it's like, it must have been a lie. (laughs) (laughs) But those family patterns are so important. Learn about them. Get curious about them. It came back. The train came back for me. Train's here. Uh, Oh, God, please don't lose it. Um, Oh, one barrier might be to exploring is the trauma. And it was very scary to revisit. So an important process of this might be going to repair that. Talking to a therapist. And safe, trained space. And there are a lot of different therapeutic approaches and modalities that work with trauma that can help heal that to where it becomes safer to go back without having a physiological charge that we experience that discomfort from that trauma. Excellent point. Um, 
and we can look at it more objectively and explore it from that objective lens rather than reliving. So it's really important if there's trauma and you notice that you're getting yourself triggered, um, maybe even dissociating, if you're aware of that, don't go work on the, you know, find somebody, a professional some to, healing first. Yes. And that goes back to the fact that we will repeat if we don't repair, this is the repair piece that we need to do. Um, and, and sometimes there's clients where the trauma um, is so severe that they're not even aware of their childhood because their, their brain is protecting them from it. And so you're not able to work and explore. So that's where we need to um, work on the trauma more specifically. And it's hard because I think of trauma as the gift you never asked for, right? Mm-hmm. The amount of trauma I went through is very different than what my husband went through. Mm-hmm. So I have been in therapy for many years yeah. and will continue to be in therapy because my history had a lot more healing to go through. Whereas for my husband, his childhood had a speed bumps, but it wasn't that bad, right? Yeah. All in all, they're pretty good family. And so that can be really frustrating too as a partnership of why why do I have to do all this work, but my partner doesn't? Healing from your family patterns is going to look different than what it looks like for your friend, mm-hmm. for even your siblings, right? How I handle it versus how my siblings did or their experiences or memories are going to look different. And that's okay too. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be very, very hard to do so to change because a lot of these patterns are protective. Absolutely. And we need to feel safe to be okay with change. And it's slow. It's This isn't quick change. Yeah. It's not like, this oh, I don't want to do that anymore. Let's stop. Or just do this breathing technique. It'd be fine. If that were the case, we wouldn't have jobs. Correct. So. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> it is slow change, but it is worthwhile change mm-hmm. because as part of changing our family patterns, now I'm going to select healthier friends. I'm going to have more fulfilling relationships, friendships, and otherwise. I might connect differently with my family and my kids. I'm going to create generational change. It's hard work, but worthwhile work. Uh, So I love that you brought that up because one of my favorite things to see with clients who are in this transition is what I call spring cleaning. And you see them cleaning out their lives and they're setting boundaries for themselves without regret. And it is wonderful. It's empowering. I hear people say like, I just can't find good friends. And they do some of this work. And then all of a sudden the right friend walks in. Because you attract people based on you. Yeah. If I'm hyper anxious, I might attract fellow anxious people. Or if I'm subservient, I'm going to attract. Is that how we kind of connected is. <laughs> I'm not anxious, Craig. <laughs> if I'm subservient, I'm going to attract more domineering personalities to yeah. fill that space. If I'm healthy and have healthy boundaries, mm-hmm. my chance of attracting unhealthy people is lower because that's not going to be attractive to them. Yeah. Right. The people I'm going to pull in, if I come in with my boundaries and I come in with who I am, people are going to like it or they won't. And what's kind of fascinating and also very important to note in this process of recognizing the family patterns and wanting to change them is that your current relationship might be a product of those dysfunctional patterns. Mm -hmm. And when you change them, it may not be a good fit for you anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's hard. There's a grieving process. The homeostasis changes, right? Our baseline of this relationship is functioning based off of the unconscious dysfunctional patterns. Once we become more conscious and change it, that homeostasis, that baseline changes and it may not work. I warn people that one of the risks of therapy, and I say it to almost every client I start with, I'm warning you, you might outgrow your system. Mm -hmm. People don't really understand what that means until they start to outgrow their system. Yeah. Right. Where I could tolerate my mom's bullshit before, all of a sudden I can't. Where I could tolerate this boyfriend who's flaky and whatever, Maybe I don't yeah. want to. Yeah. Right. Maybe I have this friend who's super toxic. Actually, I don't know if I want to be friends with them. 
that's hard to reconcile that my growth, my health journey is going to push some people away because it feels like it should be unhealthy, right? If Mm -hmm. I'm losing people, but actually, no, that is a byproduct of growing is sometimes you outgrow your system. And one thing that can keep you back in your system is even on a conceptual level, if you're aware of it, it's not familiar to your stress response system. And mm-hmm. as you were saying earlier, on a on a neurobiological level, and I think about your heart rate variability yeah. and your um, height, fight, flight, or freeze, even if you know your your relationship's toxic, it's comfortable, which sounds strange, but it's it's normal. It's familiar. Familiar. We and like familiar. Change to something different than that could be too scary and uncomfortable for the system that that might keep you back too. So there's a lot of factors here um, that play into Mm -hmm. why this is so complex to go be aware, explore, repair on the trauma um, and and learn a little bit more about what you're needing to explore and learn more. It's um, physiological. It's not just mental. It is our nervous system, our body, our brain, our unconscious parts of our brain, all firing together. So I can consciously look at someone and say, this isn't healthy, but until the rest of that system catches up, Mm -hmm. that's really hard to create that space. And another thing to do when you think about it in the context of what we talked about earlier about the neurons that fire together, wire together, creating that connection is trying new skills and getting them more ingrained so they're stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you kind of like think about it as like learning a new sport, so now go try that sport. And the more you practice, it's going to get better. Do the same thing with relationships, whether that's in your romantic relationship, family, mm-hmm. friendships. So maybe try different communication stuff, try different coping skills, try staying calm. Yeah. Try reducing reactivity. One thing I work with my clients on no surprises, boundaries. And as part of that at the beginning, sometimes I'll actually coach them through what to say, mm. coach them through the communication. Yeah. Because it's so foreign. So I'll even, like I also give all my clients their notes. I'll write out a example script of what mm-hmm. that could look like. And my hope is that they eventually get to a place where I don't have to write it for them anymore mm-hmm. because it becomes familiar rhetoric, familiar patterning. So that then they feel confident in naming it without any assistance. Oh my, I can't tell you how many times that I hear. It just seems so disingenuous. Of course it does. Like when I, not yet. when I teach mm-hmm. them the healthy communication skills, it seems so elementary and like speaker listener. Yes. Yes. And you're like, it is because guess what? You haven't been doing that. Mm-hmm. So, um, it will feel disingenuous. It's going to feel corny over time. You can make it your own, but it's a good baseline to start. Just even start regardless of how corny it is. And your partner or friend might even say, that's so corny and disingenuous. Well, good. Dumb. Now you know that they're going to be part of spring cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> it's so important to get back to some of these foundational, to us, foundational skills. Yeah. But again, you can't have the foundational skills if they were never given to you. If you're going to overcome family patterns, you really got to be willing to dig deep, explore them, and be with someone who's skilled in family therapy, who has training in that, not just the individual piece. Because that systemic brain, that systemic work takes training. Yeah. And and just to kind of give set some expectations is you and I have been trained in this, been doing this work for over a decade each. So probably 20 years combined. I'm still every single day fighting to do the healthy stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, the other stuff will come up. It's so ingrained. And it was ingrained in a time that was very, very fertile for our developing brains. True. So it's going to be stronger. And you're going to find yourself going back to these patterns, especially if the habits. stress levels get high enough. We're going to go back to what's familiar. 
So it's just the continual practice and continually being conscious, continually being conscientious of it um, as best as we can. And you're not going to be perfect all the time. And that's okay. You bring up an important point to just highlight really quick how we respond when we're somewhat regulated and how we respond when we're stressed. Those are two different animals, right? I can be really good at setting boundaries Mm -hmm. when I'm somewhat regulated when, and I can refrain from being reactive and not yelling and all the things I cerebrally know are really helpful. If I get real stressed, some of those ickier parts of me do come out. It's like the majority of the day. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. For, for me, it's no, like. because I smack them over here. For me, the good times are like two, two minutes out of the day. <laughs> and it's hard. It's hard to use those skills in a high stress place because your reptilian, your fight or flight brain mm. has its own healing to do separate from your conscious prefrontal cortex. They are two mm. very different parts of the brain. It required two very different strategies to heal. And we talked about this in the in the trauma episode. And I want to bring it up again because what, exactly what you're talking about is a lot of us and people feel like, I know this is wrong. I know that something's off, but I can't stop the response. First part is your prefrontal cortex, that conscious brain. Yep. The second half is that reptilian back of the brain. And a lot of times your reptilian is going to take priority. And so if that's activated, there's yeah. less, there's even shown less activity to the prefrontal cortex. So the rational higher order thinking. So mm-hmm. they are different and you're going to feel that the trauma is still responding because it's stuck maybe in a different part of the brain. And your reptilian takes over. I give this example to my clients all the time because your brain and body's sole job is to survive. Mm-hmm. If I am running from a bear, my hind brain's going to kick in because it's going to want me to stay alive. I'm not going to stop and be like, oh, look at that daffodil. Isn't it pretty? Which is the prefrontal cortex. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have time for that shit. I'm running from a bear so I don't get eaten. Yeah. Problem with the brain is it doesn't know the difference between a bear, a spider, and my husband. It and responds a boss. to threat. <laughs> shitty <laughs> boss. <laughs> responds to threats all the same. Yeah. A threat is a threat is a threat. It doesn't Even decipher. Yeah. It doesn't decipher the difference. Mm-hmm. So when you are in fight or flight, when you are stressed, when your boss pissed you off and they're really under your skin, mm-hmm. you're not having time to stop and smell those flowers and do your breathing techniques because you're in survival mode. Yeah. And all this goes to highlight of working on ourselves, healing through the trauma, mm-hmm. becoming more aware and, and getting to a safe place that we can look back and explore our dynamics with curiosity without judgment. And, so important. And then practicing new skills as corny and disingenuous as they feel initially to help strengthen those connections in our brain. Mm-hmm. Mm. So for today, for relationships inside out, we've really dug into how to overcome family patterns. Everyone, every human is subject to repeating family patterns. We all come from somewhere. If you have any questions on this topic, if you have any other topic suggestions, please feel free to email us at relationshipsinsideout at gmail.com. And we'd love for you to follow us on Facebook at Relationships Inside Out as well. We hope everyone has a great day. Thanks.